So hey, this is Dex, and you're listening to Valiant MC on the Vocal Podcast. Keep it locked.
gifted, empirically twisted Resting on your laurels, get syllabically fisted I simply know better, it's my shit that you lifted So stay off my shit list, so you won't be delisted uh-huh. Open up, it's time to take your medicine Can't evade these grenades, all the mannequin So regroup and bring out your dead You gotta wrap your head around another phonetic win Translate like the King James Version Cross and break your ankles like I'm King James Swerving up everybody this is valiant mc this is episode two of the vocal kicking things off we've got a tune from degs we're gonna have an interview with a little bit later rolling over top cyber straight out of toronto baby that was sun kissed the kissed again spray out from the mixtape spray out from the summer on hospital records following that a tune for myself and Will Miles featuring Armani Rain, Misty, entitled Mike Check for my EP The Ronin, which was released on Duddy Bass Audio over this past summer. Incidentally, Duddy Bass Audio is one of the sponsors of this podcast, so go check them out on Juno Download. That is D-U-T-T-Y Bass Audio. Recently, Conrad Subs released an EP entitled Update Funk featuring myself on the title track. And I hope you don't mind that I'm chatting over a classic piece of business from Ronnie Size and Represent entitled Jazz. It's hard to believe this came out 22 years ago. The feedback from episode one featuring the interview with DRS has been overwhelming to say the least. And we've got lots more in store. In addition to the Degs interview, we've also got a little mini interview with MC Kappa. Kappa could not commit a ton of time to the interview, so we rolled for about 15-20 minutes, got to know him a little bit, and you're going to hear that as well. And you're going to hear tracks from both of these artists, as well as some more of my favorite tunes from 2018. And just to let everyone know, this podcast is also brought to you by D&B Refined. So if you go to freshpapercut.com slash D&B Refined, you will find plenty of drum and bass related clothing, all focused on different creative forces within the music, including Master Lab, Stereotype, Liquid Gunshot, myself, and many, many others. So as we continue the podcast, we're going to be moving into a tune from a highly underappreciated album from 2018 by the legendary MC Tally. The album that she put out, Love and Migration, on Focus Recordings, in my opinion, was criminally overlooked. I think it did pretty well, but should have been on everybody's top ten. This one also happens to feature Degs, as well as Paramount, and it's entitled Reunion. So everybody sit back, relax, and listen. This is The Vocal. Mm-hmm. 
Bandcamp and support the label directly. Check that album out because I'm telling you it is definitely worth it. Up next, we got a track from one of the other interviewees of this podcast, MC Kappa. Featuring the production talents of Alibi, who, not coincidentally, have a number of tracks on this episode because they are just so fucking good. This track is entitled Trunk. So listen up. This is the vocal. Yo, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk. Ten on the Victor scale, the scale jumps, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk, it bumps. Like a body in the trunk. On the Richter scale, the scale jumps I wish a boy would, they wish a boy could It's that 90s, drive-by, boys in the hood It's that Reebok, punk, mixed with white rum Type of big boy lick, make a body get slumped It's kind of venomous flow, so eloquent Bass, sub low, big fat like an elephant Above and beyond, and give you what you want It hits you in the face like an Iverson dunk It bumps like a body in the trunk Everybody licks shots, everybody gets drunk And it bumps Like a body in the trunk It's ten on the Richter scale, the scale jumps And it bumps Like a body in the trunk Everybody licks shots, we all get drunk And it bumps Like a body in the trunk It's ten on the Richter scale, the scale jumps It bumps Like a body in the trunk It bumps Like a body in the trunk It bumps Like a body in the trunk
that base is nothing to fuck with. The mighty alibi working their magic. And MC Kappa sounding tougher than tough. So of course we're going to switch up the vibe about 180 degrees and bring in another one from Degs. This time with Willem and McLeod. And this track is entitled Crossways. So sit back and relax and enjoy this one. This is The Vocal.
was Notorious by Whiny featuring Sense MC. And I know that wasn't drum and bass, but I don't give a fuck because Sense MC is one of my favorites. This next one coming in is by the mighty Red Eyes and the equally mighty Tyler Daly. I love this track. I love pretty much everything Tyler Daly's been touching lately. This one's called Late Night Jam. Soak this one in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the vocal. Thank you. 
again, that was Late Night Session. Partnership between Red Eyes and Tyler Daly. And the next one we got coming in, we're going to toughen things up a little bit once again with MC Kappa, taken from his album Poetry in Motion. This one is called Brainwashed, featuring the production talents of Zero Zero and Nimco. little something for our dystopian future in these Trumponian times. Sop it up, this is the vocal. Brainwashed, yeah, got a morning of frenzy. Such a shame, their brainwaves are empty. Slaves to a rhythm, watch them pray for a Bentley. Tap out, beat them down till they black out. Brainwashed, yeah, got a morning of frenzy. Uh, because their brainwaves are empty. Slaves to a rhythm, let them rave for a 20. Tap out, we beat their brains till they black out. Papa and Brainwall. 
his album Poetry in Motion. This next one we got coming in is another one from Alibi, released at the tail end of 2018. This one is featuring the legendary MC Cleveland Watkiss, who is really more than an MC, more than a vocalist. This one's called Grace. Dial in and listen close. This is the vocal.
Slayer, this is DRS, Broken English Gang Manchester for Life, and you listen to Valiant MC on the vocal podcast. Cheer, 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 cheer.
Produced by Roy Green and Protone, that is Tally with Paper Wasp, featuring the mighty DRS. Up next, we got another one from Degs, rolling alongside BC. It's called Magic Words, and this is the vocal.
you're gonna remix Zed Bias, you better bring some serious guns to the fight. So who better to enlist than the one and only Skeptical? This one's featuring Buddha, and it's entitled Pick Up the Pieces. Open your ears nice and wide, this is the vocal.
one before we get to the interviews. First up will be Kappa, and then Degs. Plus maybe a tune from each of them before we go. This one in the meantime is Walker featuring Charlie Bricks. And it's the Ashram remix of All I Need. This has been The Vocal. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me. See you next time.
Let's uh, go back to kind of the beginning. When did you uh, when did you first start getting on the mic, rapping, that kind of thing? Um, whoa. Um, like I've always been kind of like interested in writing lyrics, like um, just penning things down on on paper. But the first time I kind of touched the mic uh, was probably about '99. A friend of mine had. His, his uncle had a pirate radio station and, uh, he had a show on there, even though I think it was like Wednesday morning at like, you know, three in the morning or something. Uh, and I basically was hanging out with my friend who was, who was like the host and the DJ. And I was just like scripting, you know, just, just rhymes to the music he was playing, which was like drum and bass. And, and then, uh, I finally got some bottle and some nerve to, Try and you know speak a few of these little rhymes over over the air. I'm not sure if anyone was listening, but you know it was my first kind of experience, and then grew a bit more in confidence, um, and then started doing some local house parties and stuff. And so yeah, around the time of say '99ish, maybe. Yeah. So when you were first starting out, was there anybody that you were, I mean, we all start out kind of emulating other people. Was there some people that you were sort of emulating, kind of channeling when you were trying it out? Well, I'm from the north of England, you know, which is just, just opposite Manchester. And so like, um, our kind of like, our drum and bass kind of MC heroes, they were like Trigger, Spider, MC Bassman. And it was kind of the, the opposite of that double time London skibbity type I'm seeing. So my foundation kind of comes from there. Uh, but during those times, we also used to listen to a lot of the London MCs also big, big inspirations like Skibber and, you know, Shabba and, and all those vibes there. So, but like my style was kind of more, um, hip hop raggery. Right. In the beginning anyway. When you discovered drum and bass for the very first time, about how long until you actually tried emceeing? Like, was there a gap or was it kind of like an immediate thing with you? That's a good question, man. <laughs> um, I don't know. The first time I ever heard drum and bass was 98 when a friend of mine dragged me to a, uh, to this rave and I had no idea what the music was. I'd never heard it before. And it was actually, um, it was Brian G who was playing. And, um, I think that there was probably, around two years approximately um before you know i started to kind of develop myself as an mc you know from being a you know like a fan of the music up until you know actually trying to be a part of the music myself you know so yeah probably about one and a half years two years maybe and get you know staying on the on the technical aspect of everything about when was the first time you started um, putting your voice down on wax, so to speak. Like, when's the first time you released a track with your oh, voice shit. on it? I actually, my first drum and bass release, because I've also done a lot of music as well, was um, in 2003, even though I think I'd recorded the vocals maybe in 2002. Uh, and it was a release with a guy who's a, a very good friend of mine now called um, DJ Physics. Oh yeah, okay. Finland, and he's you know he's he's had things on hospital metal heads, and he had his own label in those days called Midnight Sun Recordings, and I had one line, it was um, <laughs> mind elevation boosting thought process real, and he took this and he looped it, looped it, and 
delayed it and everything. And I was so proud, man. I was like, yeah, smash it. And uh, that was in 2003, I think. And the song's called Mind Elevation. So sonically, you kind of occupy a space that uh, Rhyme Time used to occupy. Um, it, you know, you're very much in like the uh, the tech slash neurofunk uh, realm. That's kind of how people um, identify you most readily. Um, so did you kind of fall into that circumstances led you down that road or was that something that you chose intentionally? <laughs> There's a story behind them because I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, my whole drum and bass background was never kind of, you know, fixed in that kind of space. Um, but in 2012, uh, I hooked up with Prolix and we did a, a four track EP, um, that landed on the main players label. Right. And from that point, everybody were just coming at me with, you know, like neurofunk music. And I kind of just ran with it because, you know, I was like, yeah, cool. But my whole kind of, and you hear that on my albums and some of my other releases, you know, like I'm quite a lot more diverse. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And in a way, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I love neurofunk music, uh, but you know, there's only so much you can express with that kind of um, musical background. And so, like, I find it sometimes a little frustrating when I want to, you know, like, approach different topics which you know don't fit that soundscape. So, right. So, yeah, pig- yeah. pigeonholing can but be a that, real issue, eh? But you, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, also I've learned to kind of embrace it. Well, I think the album, I think the albums show show your your range pretty well. So I, I think you've. That's right. <laughs> I think I think you managed to avoid getting totally pigeonholed. But I will say, since you do have such a strong affiliation with that particular sound, did that sort of influence the direction that you took in terms of where you chose to live? You live in Berlin, obviously. So, and I know you're getting you you <laughs> kind of you're kind of identified a lot with. Uh, European drum and bass, like the European drum and bass landscape, um, and, like Europe really embraces you as one of them. And I, I know that obviously neurofunk is, is, is huge on the continent. So, I mean, did that kind of influence the direction that you took in choosing to live in Berlin because you were getting a lot of work there? Or? <laughs> well, my story of, I actually left England in 2005. Um, I was playing like all over England from 2000 to 2004 and Around 2004, I started to receive quite a lot of European bookings. And so um, I decided to base myself for one month in Vienna, in Austria, because I also had some recording work as well. And my idea was to you know, do the recording work and do some shows and then come home. Um, but it kind of, I, I ended up having so much work um abroad that I decided to stay basically. So this was around, this was February 2005 and I was living in Vienna for three years. Um, why I live in Berlin is because it's nothing to do with the music because Berlin is very much a techno oriented city, but as far as like living and, um, and quality of life goes, it's really cool. So yeah. But my decision was based on, you know, I was receiving a lot of European work when I was in England. And also during these times, most of the 
cheap flights were from down south in, in London. So I was having to drive down to London every other weekend, leave my car in the, in the car park at the airport. And by the time I got home, my money was gone. So, you know, it was more about convenience to be able to, you know, like kind of exploit that market. And also, um, to live, to experience more, you know, being away from my home. It really put me in contact with a lot of different styles of music. Like I was mingling with techno people, with, with dub people. And I was like in England and where, where I was particularly from, you only kind of come in contact with your friend group and the music that they like. And so like I would never have, have been able to, you know, mingle with different artists and, you know, different sounds i've toured like in malaysia in singapore with like you know electronica accents you know and so like i really credit this to being being kind of away from my my home base and just experiencing more more of the world basically so yeah it seems like you've carved out a very uh unique uh career path in drone bass they're very different i think than a lot of other um artists have had um and it's almost like you, you were able to, I think more than a lot of other MCs. I mean, DRS definitely, you know, has his own, his own path, but I think a lot of MCs really depend on DJs and producers to kind of put them over. And it seems like you really took the bull by the horns, uh, in terms of choosing, you know, album and EP oriented, uh, releases, um, kind of choosing to live outside of your home realm. How important is that to your success as an MC? Well, um, I've always tried to make a point of, you know, kind of being my own individual. I've never been attached to, you know, any DJ or kind of reliant on any label affiliation. And so like everything that I've, I've kind of, you know, worked for, I've always tried to make it my own thing. And even with the collaborations, I'm always trying to, you know, um, impart my personality yeah. in the collaboration and, you know, make it stand out. And so, yeah, like, I think it's, it's, it's important for, you know, artists to be able to stand in their own right, regardless of, you know, any kind of label affiliations or, or DJ associations. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned in other interviews, you know, your, your parents' heritage and your own musical upbringing. Um, and you've always been very careful to, uh, point out that you're more than, you're about more than just drum and bass. So what else have you done outside of drum and bass? Yeah. <laughs> um, lots, man. Uh, I've done break beat. I've worked with the new funk scene. I've toured with seven piece funk bands in Greece. Like I've worked with Kuda and Dorfmeister. Oh yeah. Have you heard of them? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was in Vienna, I was working with their label and I toured with some of the artists. I've also played shows with Richard and Peter also. And yeah, I've done loads, man. Loads. And also techno, dub techno with a guy called, um, Beat Pharmacy. Okay. Um, I was featured and worked on his album. He had, um, on Francois K's label. Yeah. In the States and stuff. And uh, yeah, I've done, loads man 
So are, are, do you have any, do you have any non, non drum and bass projects, like kind of big stuff that you are going to be working on this, this coming year? Well, it was around like, I'd say about 2002, um, when I, you know, begun that EP project with Prolix that I kind of decided, well, look, I'm doing all this recording work, but I, you know, I, I, I really focus my attention on, you know, the scene that I'm most in love with. And that's obviously drum and bass music. So I, I've always like, since about then I kind of, you know, put all the other stuff slightly on, on hold and focused on, on the drum and bass. But my next record, which I can't talk too much about, is going to be kind of, um, more multi-genre. There's some hip hop involved, um, some electronica, some, breaks and obviously you know some drum and bass also so i'm kind of up now right right you know um, feeling more comfortable to to kind of you know explore the music that i really want to throw out there now are you ever going to uh explore are you ever going to explore production on your end or are you going to stick mainly to doing vocal work or are you just not really you're just kind of going with the flow well a lot of my song ideas for my projects and you know even some of the drum and bass ones i'm actually composing the the basic ideas and i have some other composers that i you know kind of work with so it's with this coming album there's going to be like a lot more my own kind of compositions like on there so but yeah i'm i leave the really really technical things to those you know people who excel at <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't got time to be going crazy over snares and frequencies. And stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have a, a label and time frame for that? Yeah, I had the time. Um, can't talk about that at the, the moment. But the time frame is by the end of this year. Half of the stuff from the first album I actually wrote a year and a half before oh, right it even came out. So, always like a a kind of a delay from you know writing and then oh yeah no i know i know that all too well about. <laughs> all right well look i know you've got uh, limited time as do i but uh, i wanted to thank you for uh for this conversation it means a, a great deal so uh good luck and i'll try and uh, check back with you later in the year see how everything's going cool cool yep and uh thank you for the invitation for the conversation man. no absolutely I, it's an I, honor I on my part i heard your i heard your first one with um Ellen. yeah that was dope man so i'm happy to be part of it mate Excellent. Well, thank you, man. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, eh? Cool, man. All right. It's a nice one. All right. Talk later, man. Bye. Thank you, man.
bring it back, send it back, back in time We're dropping bombs at the door of the plane That's why we got a slave, so the DJ did a play We never overrated, so we end up on your plays Cause if we know our place, is number one, it's your favorite Who's that crew that gets so faded? Telling all the haters in the mail that you made it I'm sucking up our lungs with my mic's metal blades That's the question. Yeah, well, I'm suffering a little bit, to be fair. There's been a lot of gigs recently, but I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I'm all right. right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry to wake you uh, early. No, no, don't be silly. It's not early at all. It's just I've just been sleeping, sleeping, trying to shake this headache off. But actually, I feel all right now. I've had a shower and, and starting to eat, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, so thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. No, it's okay, man. Um, all right, I'm going to try to avoid most of the questions that have been posed to you lately, although some are going to be repeats, okay? So bear with me a little bit. Not a problem, man. And ask anything you want. It's not, honestly, it's not, not an issue. Excellent. All right, so um, kind of in a nutshell, describe your musical background before drum and bass became a thing for you. So um, I was kind of just like a bit of a butterfly, like never really settled on one particular thing. Uh, my parents... They um, they pushed me to play piano when I was about five or six. So I did what we do over here up to grade two and then kind of decided that I didn't want to do that anymore because um, it was too regimented and, you know, I was too much of a free spirit. So I uh, kind of didn't do music for a while, picked up the guitar maybe when I was 12, 13, something like that. I'd still been playing the piano, but just kind of learning it by ear this time. Um, but yeah, picked up the guitar at maybe 12 or 13 um again taught myself was in various solo and band projects and things like that uh but yeah never really anything too serious and and um you know nothing that, that kind of went anywhere uh at that time music wasn't really i mean i loved always loved music but it wasn't my main passion my main passion was football and i was trying to um chase that dream uh so when that ultimately failed around sort of 17 18 um i kind of started experimenting with music again i've been 
I've been introduced to drum and bass by a friend of mine when I was about 14. Um, so that would have been, what, two, 15 years, about 2003, something like that. So it was around sort of bad company, DJ Fresh kind of time. Um, and yeah, I just started, I'd always been writing lyrics over hip hop, like freestyling over hip hop beats, but I thought I'd try it over DMB when I was, you know, I was really influenced by the likes of X-Man and Dynamite and Fats. Um, and Skibbity, uh, there's loads of them, man, loads of, loads of MCs in, the, in that category. And so, yeah, I started experimenting, um, with drum and bass probably in 2008, nine, something like that. When I was in my first year at uni. So that was basically my music, um, before, before DMB. So you mentioned football. So you said that it kind of, you kind of crashed out of football at about 17, 18. What, were you in the academy system or anything or what? Yeah. So I was in an academy system briefly with Fulham. Uh, Fulham Football Club and uh, I played for my county uh, Sussex and yeah just was just kind of always on the cusp but probably didn't quite have the ability or the, the discipline to, to make it through it's quite an early age you need to really be be on the ball and be very very disciplined in terms of what you eat and how you train and and what you do obviously outside of uh, academy work and training uh, and I was very admittedly I was a pretty immature child so um, you know, it didn't, that, well, that you were of, a child. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I always tell myself too. <laughs> you know? So, is Fulham um, still your side or what? No, so so my so my we've got family up in Newcastle. So our, our family club has always been Newcastle, um, oh, even okay, though we're southerners, okay. you know. But we've got family up there. Fulham are kind of like my second team. We, um, so we're always looking out for their results. Obviously, a bit of a shame they're bottom of the Premier League at the moment. So. It's, uh, and then Newcastle were only a few places above. So it's not actually going too well for our family at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. So when, uh, how old were you when you, when you first started singing? Um, I mean, I've, been, I've always kind of like, my, my, my mum is, um, my mum got me involved with a couple of things in the church when I was quite young. Um, oh, okay. But, you know, that didn't really like, no, no, it wasn't too, sort of a regular thing, but it gave me a couple of experiences of like singing in, in um, singing like just gospel music, basically. And then uh, playing guitar in, 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 in kind of, sort of, kind of like gospel bands and things like that. Um, but that was only sort of a brief stint. So I reckon I was kind of, I've always kind of just been singing ad libbing to music all my life, but I started taking it a little bit more seriously um, when I picked up the guitar in kind of my mid teens. 15, 16, when I was starting to write songs, um, you know, I, I realized that if I worked on my voice, I could actually, you know, I could, I, I could use it as another instrument to my arsenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, realistically, I've only really, I've only really pushed it to this extent in the last couple of years when I kind of wanted to incorporate more, more singing and more melodic elements into my style of, um, of drum and bass vocalism. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always just kind of sung and wanted to do something with it, but it's only really, as I said, the last couple of years, I've, I've finally had an opportunity to, to kind of push that side of my arsenal, so to speak. So you mentioned, uh, gospel and stuff and your mom is Kenyan, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of religious background does she have? What kind of religious background did you have? Uh, so yeah, so I grew up as a, an Anglican Christian, um, which is essentially uh, a form of Protestant uh, Christianity. Oh yeah, Church of England. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And um, but it was very, you know, Anglican Christianity in Kenya is 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 quite interesting because it actually mixes sort of elements of traditional beliefs in there as well. So 
Um, but it is it is a very Christian. Um, I don't know how you say it, a very Christian denomination of the religion. So, um, you know, there's, there's lots of things like confirmation and, um, lots of music and, um, lots of church going and obviously sermons and so on. So yeah, I, I, I grew up exposed to that, exposed to a lot of the music, uh, which again was a mixture of kind of Western and African rhythms and songs. Um, I definitely get, I think that gave me some really good exposure to different types of melodies and how people construct songs in different ways. You know, it's definitely a really important part of my musical education. How did that, uh, how did that help shape you as a person? Did, did the, the religious aspect stick at all or the spiritual aspect? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not religious anymore. Um, in the sense that, you know, I, I don't actually believe in, um, the kind of the core elements of the religion, like, like God and Jesus, but, um, in terms of what it did for my personality, in terms of helping me remain humble, you know, being in that environment is something that I respect and still respect to this day. I might not necessarily believe in the core tenets, but I, but I certainly believe in um, a lot of the mannerisms and a lot of the approaches and attitudes. You know, I'm a very family orientated person and I love spending like, for example, this Christmas has been great because, uh, you know, I've had a only a couple of days off to spend with family and it's been really really good and it's something that i i really enjoy doing and and growing up in in a very religious family obviously the kenyan side particularly are religious so um i was drilled well i had the importance of family uh the importance of friendship the importance of hard work and humility drilled into me from god as as far as i can remember and i, and I definitely think that stood me in good stead um with that and then again just on on one side from the moral standpoint but also from the musical standpoint as well um just different ways of constructing melodies and you know african music can be very swingy and not linear and and, and almost very ad libby and 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 all over the place in many respects and it's and, and i love that sound and i think i've you know subconsciously have drawn a lot of elements of that into the way that i sing and, and the way that i kind of present myself musically right right um Speak, so what uh, what kind of background does your father have? So my dad uh, is, he's kind of lived, he kind of grew up on the South London Surrey border. Um, he was a good footballer himself, but injuries kind of curtailed his, his career um, prematurely. He mm. is big into his music, but he was never really, uh, never really did anything specifically um, in music. But he obviously gave me a lot of influences uh as as we were growing up he was big into his classic rock um so big bands like Leonard Skinner and Led Zeppelin <laughs> right um but he has got quite an eclectic music taste maybe because he married a Kenyan woman or he's always lived in he's always been that kind of um culturally aware person so you know he was actually believe it or not and I don't know if you guys have heard of it heard of her over there but Miss Dynamite he was the person oh, yeah. that actually introduced me to Miss Dynamite and Lauren Hill um, of course, of course, you would know Lauren Hill. So his um, his music taste is is you know super varied, and um, I definitely drew a lot of influences from him just growing up, listening to his his tapes in the car and and things like that. So you know he's uh, he's been a huge part of my musical influencing from an early age as well. Yes, indeed. So you know, in the public consciousness, I think a lot of people think you sort of came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Outside of England, I, I'll say that because I don't know um, how the collective drum and bass consciousness is in England compared to the rest of the world. But 
you kind of came on the scene uh, by storm. But a lot of people don't realize you you did pay dues. Uh, you got a background before uh, hospital, um, mm-hmm. and that interestingly enough, that's in the jump up realm. So, and which surprises yeah. people when they hear them, when they hear that. Uh, so, were you drawn to jump up as a sound, or did you just kind of happen to fall into? Uh, jump up because um, that's just where you started to find some success. Um, I would say a mixture of both. Uh, so when I was when I first got into drum and bass, my my main kind of go to <clears throat> subgenres were kind of dark, almost neuro style rollers, Bad Company, Fresh, um, like early Ronnie Size, and things like that. So. I was always kind of drawn to the very dark sound because when I first started, discovered B&B, it was actually the darker elements that I was really almost fascinated by because uh, I'd never heard music like it before. Where it was like, it was almost, it was almost apocalyptic, yet made you want to dance at the same time. Like it's crazy. It was like this sound was sick. So obviously, a few years later, when I started to discover artists oh, like Original Sin, Generation Dub, Twisted Individual all these big jump up guys hazard obviously i was like wow this is you know it's less apocalyptic it's it's almost cheesy in some respects but i just love the i just love the bounciness the jump up the jump up vibe to it it's just it was an amazing um it was an amazing discovery for me so I, when i first started uh when i first started performing drum and bass music it was mostly over kind of rollers and and that kind of bad company style but then i started going more into jump up and i just happened to get a residency in Belgium in 2013 when Jump Up was really exploded over there. And so that's where I say from, from the side of it where I kind of, where I got my success, that's where that sort of came from because I got a residency at um, a company called Sax Tank and Bass and they were putting on shows of 1,500, 2,000 people where I'd only ever played some, you know, maximum 100, 150 in the past. So it was a big step up in sort of crowd size and production levels. Um but, you know, it's just, it was, it's a culture I still love a lot. And I'm actually playing an event in a, in a few days of jump up event. I haven't done that for, for a few months now. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's definitely, you know, I think it's definitely helped my skill set in some respects, like taught me how to, to try and engage with the crowd and, you know, to try and keep the party at a maximum level of energy and, and vibes and so on. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I spent, even before the, the residency, I spent uh, years driving around to room twos and threes for no money, playing to bar staff, um, jump up nights, and fully enjoyed it, to be honest. You know, it's fine. I was actually going to ask you if you think you'll ever do jump up again, so you answered that for me. So- yeah, I mean, it's not it's not something that, uh, you know, with, with the music, the, some of the reason why I moved away from it is because I wanted to incorporate more songwriting elements into what I was doing, but um, it's almost like my my guilty pleasure that I just, I just can't help it. It's just, a, it's just, it's almost like a drug. I can't stop doing it. I, I love it. I really do. It's uh, it's a culture. I don't think that will ever leave me. Well, you know, hospitals kind of embrace the, uh, a bit of the jump up aesthetic with Kings, of the rollers and stuff like that. So you think you'll be Absolutely. doing anything for hospital in that realm? Yeah. I mean, the good thing about, again, with, with hospital, they're, they're, they're very good in, in terms of their, they let the creative people and the artists at the label express themselves. And, you know, in the future, there will definitely be elements um, and collaborations on that side. It will still be, obviously, most of the music that I will create for them and have created for them 
is on the more soulful kind of side of the spectrum, but uh, there are opportunities to work with guilty pleasures and other styles and even just other tempos and BPM. So, you know, it's happy days with them. Excellent. So, uh, now a, a lot of people, you, you came into my consciousness through, um, through Facebook videos. Um, that's obviously how you kind of established your name. That's how hospital, uh, discovered you. So in a very briefly, I know you've talked about this a lot. Talk about how hospital, uh, kind of found you and how that signing took place. So in a nutshell, um, I, I basically, I quit my job last year, uh, and I, I wanted to just make this music thing a go. I thought I'm 28 years old. It's not, if it's not going to happen now, it's never going to happen. Um, and so I just started posting from sort of May 2017 onwards. I think I put Black Sheep Freestyle up and just started posting videos and just trying to get as much content out there as possible. Try to work hard on my style to craft it, to make it, to, to make to essentially make it work and, and something that's something that not many other people are doing but can be accepted maybe by more people than, than what I'd had before. And um, so it got to kind of towards the end of summer last year, September, I put out a video called Fine Arts. And Chris Marigold, who, was part of, who is part of Blue Martin, um, I think he's the only part of Blue Martin now, um, and he also heads hospitals agency, um, artist agency, which is Clinic Talent. He just hit me up on a September afternoon sometime and just said, look, we really like what you're doing. Um, you fancy coming to hospitality at the park at the end of the month. And I've been jobless for a few months now and was actually looking for jobs again during this time. Uh, cause my money had started to run out big time. And I said, look, I haven't got the money to get out to London. Uh, I can't afford to buy a ticket. And he's like, no, that's all right. We'll stick you on the guest list. If you can just get up here, you know, we'll, we'll stick you on the guest list. So, yeah, I, I, I did. I went up there, met, uh, met up with Chris during the day, um, met a few people when I, when I walked uh, backstage and that kind of stuff. So I met London Electricity, um, who had actually, who had actually messaged me on Instagram the day before just to say, look, we really like what you're doing. Um, so you're on our radar at the moment. Uh, met Chris Goss, uh, who Clayton, who used to run Renegade Hardware, had tagged Chris in one of my tunes and was, and Chris had, had mentioned that he was quite interested in talking to me further, but hadn't said that to, to me directly. And I was kind of too scared to, to hear him up myself. And then, yeah, just met logistics and met Dan Newtone, who's obviously part of my A&R and mixes down a lot of my stuff. Um, so yeah, and then, and then went back home after having a great day, excited, met a lot of my musical heroes and obviously enjoyed the festival as well. And, um, and then, yeah, a few days later, I went back into hospital, uh, into the HQ, and just played them a bunch of my music. I didn't have much drum and bass by that time, uh, so I played them mostly the hip-hop and R&B project with my little brother, Kiku Soul, and, yeah, they seemed they seemed happy, and they seemed to enjoy it. And then, I guess a couple of weeks after that, they uh, the, I signed to the agency, and they offered me uh, a recording contract. And then a few weeks after that, after some sort of back and forth with lawyers and, and whatnot and all the legal process, uh, I signed with them. I think it was, God, I didn't sign with them, I don't think, until November and then announced it in February this year. So were you, <clears throat> I, this is going to sound slightly uh, awkward to, to, to word it like this, but before things with hospital coalesced, 
were you kind of targeting them in a way? I mean, because, you know, obviously you, d- you did the black sheep spray out. Um, were you thinking that this could possibly lead to contacts with hospital or were you, obviously you had, you had confidence in your ability to some respect to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though the production on your spray outs is fairly simple, it was also actually kind of sophisticated because a lot of MCs don't think to do this kind of thing. Like your approach mm-hmm. to getting your music and getting your sound out there is different than a lot of people undertook. So did you kind of have them on your radar or did you have other labels on your radar that you were hoping were going to see a lot of this stuff or what? In all honesty, I didn't have a plan. Um, my focus was on creating a product with the tools that I had that was as good as possible. You know, I only had an iPhone and a, and a small studio set up. And so I knew I couldn't make, and I didn't want to do anything cheesy. So I didn't want to kind of walk around my town and do different shots and try and put something together in iMovie or Final Cut Pro. And it's just going to look all, it's going to look like. You didn't want to do rap, you didn't want to do rapper hands? <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite that. I mean, I did look into it. Don't get me right. I spent a lot of time on YouTube tutorials and how to mix stuff down. And I thought, okay, why don't I just keep it simple? Stick my phone on the windowsill, find a tune that I like, sing and rap to it. Literally, don't do any post-production um, of the video. Obviously, mix down the vocals so they sound crisp. Um, so instead of doing it like a mix where, you know, not, things aren't, you know, vocals aren't really touched too much in post-production, like a live mix, do it where I perform the vocals live, but then afterwards, compress them a bit, EQ them a bit, stick a little bit of reverb on them, and, and then cut them up so the breaths aren't in there, and um, just make them sound more presentable. Uh, and that would give me, I think that'd give me more of a, an opportunity to, for people to, to hear what I can really do. Um, but in terms of labels, in all honesty, I really didn't have a clue because back then, Inja, I don't think Inja had been announced on hospital. So I don't think there was technically any full-time vocalist on any drum and bass labels. So in the psychology of drum and bass, I didn't actually think a label would come and pick me up. I thought it was one of those ones where, um, I would essentially have to build my own fan base and maybe self-release. Do you know what I mean? And right, right. I, re- I remember thinking, all I, all, I, all I want to do, I don't really have a plan, but my plan is to build my profile on social media. Let me do that. And then I think the method of how I'm going to make this or try and turn this into a career or something that pays my bills is will become more apparent once I have a fan base. Um, so obviously when hospital hit me up, I was shocked because I had no idea about the Ninja signing. They, I think they just signed Ninja when they when they hit me up, but they hadn't announced it yet. Well, yeah, you know, so, when I first contacted you about a, about a collaboration, you said, "Hey, I'm on hospital now." Like it was, and you were, you were like, "It's kind of hush hush." I didn't find out about they didn't announce Ninja until like well after that. So yeah, I, it was definitely not out there yet. No, it wasn't, and, and that's and that's what really really surprised me. You know, it was. Because it was, it was strange. Actually, it's funny you say that when you hit me up. Like, a lot of people were hitting me up at the time. And obviously, um, hospital said, you're exclusive to us now. So you've got to realize you can't collaborate freely anymore. So when people were hitting me up and saying, you want to collaborate. And when I say, I'm signed to hospital and they said, what, as what, a producer, as a DJ? And I said, no, as a vocalist. And they're like, really? And it was almost like I had to convince them that that was the truth. Like, cause it was, it was, and it was, it's a really surprising thing in the psychology of DMB for there to be vocalists signed to one of the bigger labels. Um, so when, you know, I walked into a meeting with them and, and I was almost like, are you sure you got the right person? Cause this is, it just, it seems so surreal to me. 
And then it wasn't until Chris Goss said, we just signed Inja, um, and he's going to do an album with us. And I, and I was like, wow, okay. Oh, I see. You really are changing your direction um, as, art, as, as, as a record label and as artist managers. So I was really, really impressed by that. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I had no, I had no, um, intention of targeting Ram or hospital or, or spearhead or, or players or anyone. It was just the focus was let's see if this style works and if people can accept it. And, and that was basically it. Yeah. See, it didn't surprise me when you, when you said you were signed to hospital. In fact, I actually was surprised that hospital had not signed a vocalist sooner. Um, you know, DRS had, had put out two albums by then. And so mm-hmm. the, the idea of a vocalist doing something like that was not foreign to me. And I knew you, you were, your style was unique compared to most other MCs. So I was like, okay, well, that, that makes sense. Um, and as big as hospital is, I was really surprised that they did not have at least one or two vocalists, even if they were just women, you know, kind of like the songstress mm-hmm. type vocalists, uh, mm-hmm. signed mm-hmm. to them exclusive. So, um, now, in terms of the mixtape spray out, the songs that are on there were they already recorded? Or did you record some new ones specifically for the hospital version of the release? How did that work out? So it was a mixture of um, a mixture of the two. Uh, basically, hospital had essentially discovered me through the, the online freestyles um, and the videos that I've been putting up. So uh, what they really wanted was a mixtape that detailed my story so you know the hospital are very forward-thinking people this, this wasn't my idea to put it out they put out Pavegria and then it was Chris Goss's idea he wanted to put out a mixtape that detailed the story of how Dex became Dex essentially so um we had a bunch of tunes on there so things like the Black Sheep one that was already done um and that's so why I had to reach out to my friend RD and get that signed off so we could have that um there was a there was a couple of easy ones that were quite easy to sign off, like the Ebenezer spray art that was written by Spy. So that one was oh uh, relatively easy. The Etherwood spray out the new lanes on Bears Breaches with a nil. Um, that was easy to sign off because obviously he signed to med schools and, and the nil's done a lot of work with hospital and med school as well. Uh, Fine Arts was a little bit more difficult because that was a Lensman and Red Eyes track, so we had to do like a part two essentially. So I still use the same hook. Um, but we put it over London Electricity's had a little fight and then I wrote, wrote a bunch of new bars, like a part two kind of, um, situation with that. Um, and then I had an old track with a Canadian producer called Cyberposix, which is Sunkissed that we managed to squeeze on there as well. And then we'd written, uh, written another track, Game of Clones, which was over an FD beat. We didn't kind of have the time to try and get them to sign that off. So we then, I did re-sang the hook a couple of semitones below to fit over a new tone track called Broken. And then, uh, I wrote a completely new freestyle, uh, well, sorry, a completely new song over new tones, present and future. So it was a kind of a mixture between consolidating a few ones, keeping some, some ones that were already existed, that had already existed, writing some new stuff, kind of editing some stuff as well. So there's a mixture of everything basically. Right. I thought it, it, it was interesting because the, the format of the whole thing reminded me a little bit of uh, MC Conrad's vocalist album, which was all of his vocal treatments on previously released music, uh, the way he did it on like mix CDs and live and stuff like that, just mm-hmm. kind of professionally recorded. So, and I, I, I liked that, uh, that format. Plus, it was the perfect timing. It was summer. So like having a mixtape format was like perfect for that. So that, that worked out really well. Um, now... Stepping back from 
drum and bass and what you're you've been doing um who in drum and bass kind of is uh who do you who do you take a lot of your cues from musically uh who's like a big influence on you outside of you know tony obviously um what kind of artists are you do you really like focus on uh well initially because of the jump up side of it my you know my favorite mc was and and still is actually probably his ex his ex man um i'd never heard such lyricism at such speed before um and and the way that he's able to sound crystal clear in the rave and and also on mixes and on and on tracks as well even though i think he should make more tracks you know i think he's going to start doing that with problem central uh their new projects he's got going with evil b and logan and magistrate uh but yeah he's he was just i was just literally obsessed with his style and probably was trying to try to just cat his style and skibbity style when i was when i was younger um but yeah, he was, and then the first MC that I heard that was, was kind of blending singing and, and like talk singing and rapping together was Fats. Right. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's when I kind of moved towards the soulful side because I was like, it opened up a new subgenre of, of, of drum and bass that I'd never really heard. And actually, you know, liquid music is, is, has a lot of relation to what I used to listen to before drum and bass, you know, like, and, and a lot of the soul and R&B and, and gospel stuff, you know, has a lot of that elements in liquid music. So, it's almost like I discovered a part of myself that had already existed all this time. Um, and then, you know, people like Dynamite as well. Obviously, later on, DRS. Um, these these people had the ability to, to merge melodic lyricism with conscious lyrics in styles that are both abrasive and soulful, you know? And, and I found that kind of, that juxtaposition without me trying to come across like I'm trying to be too clever or something by saying that. But that kind of juxtaposition between the two styles was something that was really interesting to me and something that I was naturally just very, very drawn to. Um, you know, I, I really did feel that that was something that I could that I could do myself, but do it in my style. Um, so when I hear these MCs like Fats and DRS putting that on tracks, you know, Soul Patrol with Lensman, I think, was, was, was one where I was just like, I've heard this guy spit in the rave and now he's doing this big soulful hook and it's got a big brass section behind it and it's sick and it's produced by Lensman with a slick little amen behind it and it's just a sound I was like wow man like this touches my soul differently so um this is definitely a route I want to pursue in terms of non-drum and bass music um you know influences can be can be anything do you find non like non-drum and bass or say like even non-hip-hop influences manifesting themselves in your music somehow um like for me for, for instance i know it sounds it sounds kind of weird but you know mm -hmm. punk rock influences my lyrical content a lot or yeah i might be influenced strangely by like music that my that my mom would play when i was a kid mm -hmm. like you know that kind of thing so do you do you see those things bubbling up in your music sort of unconsciously like after the fact 100 percent. yeah absolutely 100 percent. i actually think i think in my style my style is more influenced by non-DMB than it is in DMB. You know, I think a lot of the nuances and characteristics of the way that I deliver vocals and lyricism is heavily influenced from R&B and gospel and hip-hop, more so than DMB. Um, you know, it's kind of like R&B, gospel and hip-hop mixed with X-Man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I used to listen to... Me and my brother used to listen to things like, and we, and we still and we still do. They're not guilty pleasures. We're pretty proud of it. 
things like Jagged Edge and Boys to Men, Salt and Pepper, um, and then obviously later on, uh, like Trey Songs and and The Weekend and Jagged you know, Edge. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that takes me. <laughs> I was I was big into my, my into my soulful boy bands, man. Definitely, you know, uh, I definitely think it's um, particularly people that are, that are groups like Jagged Edge. I think got got me to experiment with harmonies because obviously there's multiple vocalists um and they're all and they're obviously harmonizing together i I can't read music so i did do it up to grade two but i've forgotten it by now so it was um a good way of helping of teaching me subconsciously how to harmonize so you now hear on a lot of my tracks now um you know i will harmonize myself even though i can't do it live obviously unless we bring more singers in um i will put harmonies on top so you know there'll be vocal parts with four or five part vocals and um and that's definitely a nineties R and B thing. Like so, you know, TQ used to do that a lot as well. Um so, uh, an R and B vocalist that I grew up listening to and and uh yeah, like people like Seal from the UK and there's a guy called Lamar from the UK as well who's who's popular right, right. uh about ten years ago. And yeah, they used to they used to do similar things. They used to really harmonise a lot on their tracks and and um it was something that again I was really really drawn to that kind of soulful sound so yeah you know obviously non-drum and bass music is a is a massive part of who you are and it's a massive part of your own sound so do you see drum and bass music as a stepping stone to eventually stepping out into other genres or are you just kind of you don't really have a plan right now you're just kind of seeing where this goes um, yeah, I don't really have a plan uh, in all honesty uh, I love drum and bass music um, but I also love writing R&B and that's why I have a project with my little brother called Kiku Soul where we write primarily hip hop R&B Afro beats elements of, of, of that in island vibes and things like that as well in there but um, you know I'm, I'm very very happy on hospital and I'm very happy doing what I do I love drum and bass music and and one thing that I will say about drum and bass is that I believe for me it helps me represent all of the other genres that I like in my music you know because there's so many elements of hip hop, rock, um, soulful stuff, gospel, melodically and from the drum patterns. You know, we've, there's all these genres that get meshed into this syncopated dance music and I think it can be quite inspiring, but I definitely have intentions of continuing with the Kikuyu Soul project and we're working on another EP at the moment. The first album that we released was, you know, we self-released it and it, and it got a good reception. So we're pretty happy with that. And, where, kind of where can we find that, by the way? You can find that on on uh, on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Uh, it's just like a name your price kind of thing. You can put zero in there if you want. You can put two pounds. You can put three hundred dollars in there if you want. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend doing that because it would just be spent on beer. But you know, realistically, you can you can put in anything you like. So if you type in Kiku Soul, spell K I K U Y U, and then the second word is Soul, um, and you type that into Bandcamp or in SoundCloud, and you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, where we're everywhere. <laughs> and your and your brother goes under the w- w- goes under which name? So he is under the moniker Cappuccino Don at the moment, and he is primarily um, the producer. He does a lot of the backing vocals as well, but he produces a lot of the music, masters everything himself. Um, so he is the tech guy essentially. And how much younger is he than you? He's only a couple of years younger, so I'm 29 and he's 27. He actually turns. Uh, 28 in two days time so happy birthday matt and uh yeah he's uh, um, a massive part of my musical journey because we're, we're because we're quite close in age we're obviously 
you know, we're very good friends. Um, and, you know, so a lot of the things that we've discovered together, drum and bass we discovered around the same time together, you know, a lot of the hip hop and R&B, a lot of the same groups and individual artists we listened to, we discovered together. Um, so, and even things like piano and guitar experimenting together, you know, we even done a Paveglia Christmas remix that we stuck on Instagram on Christmas Day. Oh, I saw that. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a massive part of my, um, of my musical, my musical upbringing, so to speak. So are you going to be, uh, trying your hand at, pro- at production at all? Yeah. So, I mean, I used to actually, probably something like that, that, uh, I, I haven't talked about too much, um, is, that before I became a, pro- a drum and bass vocalist, I was actually um, f- more focused on becoming a producer. I actually released an EP in in 2012 uh, under the under the moniker Dex uh, called the Real Life EP, which came out on Venomous Music that featured some of my vocals, but were more sort of production heavy tracks. Um, and I'm currently working on stuff with Hospital, which I'm producing a lot of the stuff myself. So um, you know that's definitely a skill set because. I, I can play a few instruments. I can produce music. Um, there's obviously huge gaps in my expertise, which I'm kind of learning on the go. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm working hard at it. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be hearing a lot of Degs tracks, which, uh, in the future, which are just produced and essentially mixed and engineered, mastered by myself. So are you going to be, uh, coming out with an album or an EP or what, what's the plan for this year? Or are you allowed to say? Um, it's difficult to say, but it's, I'm going to be doing a big project with a lot of my own productions. Um, what that's going to be, what, how that will take shape. Um, we will be letting you guys know as the year goes on. (laughs) essentially. (laughs) So the way you, the way you made yourself known, the way you came out to the universe, um, as the fully formed DAGs, um, was an unconventional route. Um, you know, when I approached you for a collaboration and, uh, you know, you said, no, I can't. And we talked video. Um, and you felt strongly that video was kind of, was, it was, was a key to future success. And you were like, I'll help you out with video and stuff like that. And then I kind of yeah. realized that video for me, it's a weird thing because it's kind of not my personality. Um, but mm-hmm. it's funny because the approach that you were taking, as well as the approach that people like DRS was taking, kind of inspired me to double down on my, own personal approach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So within the last year and a half, I'm starting to see artists take unconventional routes to their success in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk a little bit about the the culmination of um, the route you took, doing things yourself, like social media, all that kind of stuff, and how that has played into your own success. Um, I mean, I mean, it is, it is a very, very unconventional route, and it's true. And, and actually, you know, what what you what you just said there is is a very, very good point. Um, video is not going to work for everyone, and and actually, sometimes it could inspire other people to focus more on the route that they're taking, that they're taking. Sorry, and actually, just uh, look to to consolidate that and find ways to improve what they're doing in that respect. For me. I looked at it in as much of a business, say business, in much of a psycho, um, a psychological way as possible. I feel that nowadays people's attention spans are a lot shorter because of social media than they used to be. So I think what a lot of MCs were doing is spraying out over a two hour mix and I just, with, you know, with no visuals and I just didn't feel that that was a way to capture someone's 
attention and imagination. So I then thought, okay, well, why don't I just do a video? Because it's something visual, so, some, so someone's not going to scroll past it. They'll be interested to see how it develops, even though it's just me just standing there, you know. Um, and why don't I shorten it and, you know, get involved in a bit more in post-production in terms of the, the mix down of the vocals, make sure they sit nicely, you know, make sure that they're mixed down properly and EQ'd and compressed properly. And the maximum, vi I, I experimented with a few video lengths. I think Black Sheep was about two and a half minutes and that seemed to get, you know, and so when I looked at the, the metrics on the video and uh, there was more 10 second video views and more people were, were sticking around to the end of the video, then I tried something a bit a bit longer. I think Game of Clones and Ebenezer were, were approaching five minutes, but the attention span of people watching them was less. So then I found this kind of sweet spot um, with Fine Arts, which was about three minutes. And that was my most successful video to date. And obviously the one where hospital would pick me up um, by that time. And that was, yeah, just over three minutes or something like that. And again, just kept it as simple as possible. I realized that the format of me just standing behind a microphone was working. Um, that Trust me, I did think, because you think when you get a bit of success in something, it's like, right, how can I improve this more? But it was a case of little tweaks, not major um surgery essentially do you know what i mean you know it's the kind of old adage if it's not broke don't fix it but obviously to get to the next stage it's just tiny little tweaks um that i was able to kind of just yeah just just incorporate into them so little things like trying to get the and even things like trying to get the public involved so with um i believe actually the lensman and red eyes tune the fine arts tune was when i posted on decks on my artist page you guys should pick my next tune for me to do a spray art over so it was things like that trying to get people engaged so they feel a part of it because i want them to be a part of it essentially um you know trying to write lyrical content that is different to what a lot of guys and girls in dmb write something that's more conscious introspective personal um but also outward thinking about, you know, humanity and life and, and the world and, and mental health and feelings and blah, 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 and relationships and what, what, what not, you know, instead of just, I say instead of just as a massive stereotype, and I don't mean this in, in, in any way whatsoever, but instead of bragging about how many girls you take home after the dance and how much weed you smoke and, you know, how sick your bars are and, you know what I mean? I just, I'm not that kind of person. Like I, I've tried to do that in the past. I've tried to be the braggy kind of MC and it just, it never fits my personality. Like you say with video, it doesn't suit your personality as much. It's just that those kind of bars don't suit my personality. So I just basically, in a way, doubled down on myself and really focused on making the best, most honest product that represents me as a person. And, you know, I'm very, very fortunate that enough people like it that I'm able to now do that as a job. So, what would you say would be your uh, your one piece of advice then for other vocalists out there um, that are trying to not necessarily find success, but trying to carve out their own little niche? Well, if you're trying to carve out your own niche and you're, and you're, and you're trying to carve out your own space and lanes, and I talk about that a lot in, in my lyrics because it can be a very demotivating and uh, difficult process. Uh, I would say one of my pieces of advice is don't watch what anyone else is doing. Do yourself. Be self-critical. Be honest with yourself and focus on making the best possible product and the best personal representation of yourself 
than than he can. Don't try and, you know, I think a lot of MCs and a lot of vocalists are like, oh my God, this person's had success with this flow. So they'll try and kind of cut elements of that flow to bring in. It's not the way to do it. Just have faith and confidence in yourself, but also have the kind of, the wherewithal, the kind of, um, how do I say this? The kind of consciousness to know where to improve. And look, there's nothing wrong with seeking opinion. I always find actually that I'll send a lot of, when I, when I, if I want to seek a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth opinion on, on a piece of art that I've created, I don't tend to go to people in the industry. I tend to go to just my, my friends. Sometimes they don't even listen to drum and bass. Do you know what I mean? Because I think if I can get them to understand it or them to find it accessible, you know, and they've come, people have come back to me and said, actually, do you know what? It's not really clear what you're trying to, what you're trying to do here or I'm not, I don't really understand the content. So, either simplify it or I contextualize it a little bit more, go back to them and say, is, is this better? Yeah, it's an improvement, but you know, I'm still not really feeling it. And it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And eventually you will find the best way of delivering yourself to the public. So one last, uh, one last round of questioning here. It doesn't really focus on drum and bass um, per se, but your label boss, Tony Coleman, AKA London Electricity. Um, yeah. He addressed a few times on the pot on his podcast and on social media a little bit uh, politics, and he also would address sometimes the reaction that he would get when talking about politics a little bit. And I'm wondering is when since you're now on what is arguably the biggest drum and bass label in the world, and they have a very large platform now, are you ever conscious of um? what you say, how it might potentially alienate fans, or do you not really take that into account and you just, you're just yourself no matter what? Yeah. I mean, probably again, a mixture of both. Uh, Tony, Tony and me are very different people. And, and I, one thing that I do respect very, very much about Tony is that he is a very transparent person in the sense that he says what he feels and he has strong political views about many things and isn't scared to express them, but also engage in rational debate. He doesn't come across like he knows everything or is arrogant. You know, he'll happily put his opinion forward. And I've seen the exchanges that he has, has with people online and they're pretty cordial. You know, sometimes he doesn't, you know, a lot of people say keep politics out of music. Me personally, um, I don't, I don't have, the, the same passion for politics but I obviously have passionate political views um, and I would rather talk about them in my music um, I kind of focus my social media more on the well-being of people you know and, and I think that's where I feel my calling is my calling is more focusing on things like mental health and self-confidence and self-esteem and trying to show people that it is possible to overcome <clears throat> certain barriers in your life and certain obstacles in your life. And I, and I, I just think me and Tony are just different people in that respect. There have been a few times where I've wanted to say something about, let's say the situation of, of um, racial politics in Europe and the, and the United States that I've thought maybe where I am in my career is not a good idea for the time being. So I've kind of held off on it a little bit, but you know, the large majority of the time, if I've got something to say, I'll say it. And, if I'm passionate about something and I will say it, but at the moment it's, it seems more to be about kind of self 
um, it's very introspective about trying to look after yourself before looking after the rest of the world. Because I, I do believe very, very passionately that people that are happy in themselves are much more likely to be able to help other people. Um, and, and I think that's, that's kind of like a line of thinking and a mentality that I'm focusing on more than maybe engaging in controversial subjects of which, you know, in all honesty, I probably don't have the expertise on anyway. I'm a 29 year old bloke that's been, as it, as it's experienced a lot of political change, but in this country, but not to the extent that someone like Tony has. And, um, I think I'm more at a stage of my life where I'm learning about that rather than having, um, strong opinions that might be relatively divisive, maybe, or may, may come across as divisive. Right on. All right. So <clears throat> let's, uh, wrap all this up. Is, are, are there any plans for you to come over to North America anytime soon? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping well, at the very latest 2020, I mean, I've got uh, a lot of plans for outside of Europe next year. Um, it's just a case of trying to get enough prom- promoters together so we can stick, uh, you know, like a, like a mini tour. But I have, I have spoken to promoters in the United States and in Canada and even in Mexico for the last, you know, ever since I've been putting those freestyles up. So it's on the cards. We just got to try and make the mechanism work for, for everyone. And, and then when we can get that nailed, uh, I will be over. I would love to, but I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have a, a fan base in this, in the States and in Canada. Um, and I get a lot of messages from people over there. Um, and it's, and it's really interesting because I rap in an English accent. I rap in my accent and I didn't know if it would necessarily be clear to, to you guys over there. So it was quite nice to hear people hit me up and say, look, I really resonated with this message in one of your songs, but actually, do you mind if I have the lyric book for the mixtape? Because there's a couple of things and bits of slang that you say that I don't understand. So then I'll end up having these really cool conversations with people talking about our differences in slang and, you know, like color, cruel language and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you end up building relationships with people in, in really interesting ways. So it's, uh, I would, I would love to come and perform in the States. I absolutely love your country and, um, I'm out there as much as I possibly can be. I find, uh, I find it fascinating in many respects. So yeah, uh, we'll make it work. We'll yep. make it work. Well, I'm in Canada now. I emigrated last year, so <laughs> you got to come up here too. <laughs> Honestly, Canada, Canada sounds like my place. It really does sound like my place, sound like my kind of people. So, um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be, um, we're gonna be putting together something as soon as we can see the mechanism working for everyone. Um, yeah, we'll put some, we'll put something quite extensive together. Excellent. So uh, to end things off, is there anything you want to plug before we go? So I mean, we've got sick music that comes out in January, uh, January the twenty sixth, I believe. You can pre-order it now. Comes out on Beatport on my thirtieth birthday, I believe, on the eleventh of January, which is complete coincidence, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I didn't ask Hospital to do that for me, um, and I've got a couple of tracks on there. Uh, there is a remix of Paveglia uh, that has been doing the rounds that people may have seen videos of that will be on there so, and that is actually the first time that I've told anyone this so there's a bit of exclusive information for you and there's also another track um, which is based around kind of mental health and something that's a little bit darker than maybe people are used to from, from me lyrically uh, with Mike Kiss so, and that's called Lie Awake so that's going to be on Sick Music and then there's about 17, 18 other tracks uh, from across the DMV spectrum, from artists on hospital, and actually, which is really good as well, is there's some artists like Walk R, 
in most who are up and coming people that are going to make some serious waves in hospital have managed to get them on. There's a Benny L tune, Police and Helicopter, his, his remix of that. It's going to be a wicked album, man. So right. definitely get yourself a copy of that when it comes out. And Toronto's own Polaris is on there. So big up Polaris. Toronto's own Polaris is on there. <laughs> and he is an art. He is a, a producer that I think will do something very, oh, very special yeah, in the incredible. future. Yeah, he's incredible. Really, really incredible. Really incredible soundscapes. Really, really clever the way that he, he writes atmospheres into his music. And, uh, you know, maybe down the line, me and we could maybe make something together. So, um, absolutely Canada crew you need to you need to rep this guy man because he is something you guys should be very very proud of all right dude thank you so much uh I appreciate all the time uh I appreciate it since you just woke up and I know you've been pretty tired lately um so yeah man uh definitely uh I'll try to link up with you maybe later in uh 2019 for a little follow-up absolutely it'd be it's absolutely my pleasure man like um just let me know and, and I'll make time like uh, thanks for being flexible flexible it's just these these period of shows have absolutely knocked the wind out of my sails i'm not gonna lie to you and no worries man. it's been a busy time but uh no i appreciate that i really enjoyed that interview so uh yeah i look forward to, to round two excellent have a happy new year all right and you too brother much appreciated all right talk soon talk soon Bye-bye. try listening to my friends they told me, bro, it ain't worth it You know how these things turn out in the end But baby, I can't pretend It's all my fault, I'm returning It ain't so easy just to knock it on the head When I'm feeling like I'm falling into you Because just this one time you're making me unwind and see the truth I never really wanted this, I gave you my excuse You're taking the control, I'm watching it unfold But I'm feeling good Well it was 8.21 on a Saturday, right? Had no plans to go out, just my suit for the night Oh, another message came up, hey Blowing up my line, you straight up, hey You tell me you got the Christmas blaze up, hey you're home all on your own, no makeup, hey So persuasive, persuasive Your techniques are creative Even when I'm trying to be evasive Cause confidence, girl, yeah, you got it Intro center, back in the whip with just my socks on my toes Cause I can't wait oh. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait Time, you're making me unwind and see the truth I never really wanted this, I gave you my excuse You're taking the control, I'm watching it unfold But I'm feeling good Because just this one time you're making me unwind and see the truth I never really wanted this, I gave you my excuse You're taking the control, I'm watching it unfold but I'm feeling good
I pull up and we ride Even though we know It's the worst thing that we could do We've been lost for a while History repeats And every time it's like we push to Abandoning your sense of balance and friends How can you just call this love? Precedence and it's self-evident We're spectating the score and all One more game There Will Be Blood. I want to put you in it. It is three lines opposite Daniel Day-Lewis. Now, I have matured sufficiently in the intervening years that I am more excited than terrified at the prospect of this happening. It is like 70-30, right? I think I can do this. Get there to the set getting in costume and all that stuff. We're on this whole time. He said, it's, very, it's all very exciting. So I, and it's like, I can do this now. I can do this now. Now, I meet Daniel Day-Lewis. He's just sitting in a chair on the set. Now, I had been told that Daniel Day-Lewis was kind of an intense person. And he's really, he's really not. He's really not. He's really the most intense person <laughs> that has ever existed on the planet of Earth. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting in a chair, and I am terrified of him as if a jungle cat has wandered onto the set like, whoa, 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 what what do we do? What do we do? Are we supposed to move around a lot or stay perfectly still? What are the rules of Daniel Day-Lewis? 